This episode of Voices of the Elephant is brought to you by SiteGround. Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. My name is Cal Evans. I'm your host, and we're here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada at ZenCon 2017. I assume it's beautiful. I've not left the hotel. <laughs> Welcome to Vegas. Yeah. And my special guest is Mr. Davey Shafiq. Say hi to everybody, Davey. Hey, everybody. You're one of the few people that have been a PHP community member longer than me. I mean, there's there's a few, a handful of, more of y'all around. but That are still around. They're yeah. still around, but mm-hmm. not, not many, you know? Um, and and we have um, we have war stories. That, that that's <laughs> a fair way to put in, it. We won't go into them on this episode. <laughs> no. That's an it's the booze talking. Yes, that is. Um, hey, you work with Akamai. Yes, which I find is a fascinating company. Um, and I, I have to tell the story. You were uh, we were sitting yesterday, I think at lunch or something like that, or just shooting the breeze. And you said, "Yeah, I just got off the phone with." Of course, when I get on the phone with it's because I have a problem. And you were on the phone with because they're actually a customer of Akamai's. Yep. I'm you not deal with sure them on a different level. That. Oh, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I can't go too much into that. No. But yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, helping my customers is, is a big part of what I do. Yes. And uh, it's always interesting to see what, you know, brands that we use every single day, mm-hmm. how they're using the internet, um, and how... You know things like geo distribution and all the things that Akamai is really good at, mm-hmm. um, and just actually seeing it being put into practice and how they're actually working through those things. Okay, geo distribution for mm-hmm. those of us who don't do this on a daily basis. I think I know what this is, sure. but uh, talk to us about what that is. So um, essentially, uh, obviously, the internet is a, a global entity, mm-hmm. and um, especially for much larger companies, they have customers all over the globe. Um, but managing infrastructure all over over the globe is just not really practical mm-hmm. and it's it's very expensive and you know it's a lot of work goes into that mm-hmm. um, so what Akamai does is we're actually within one network hop of 90% of all internet consumers Wow um, and so what that means is is if you have cacheable resources we can actually have it within one network hop mm-hmm. of that consumer now for um, most of us cacheable resources are pictures and images stuff like that yeah uh, so I would assume audio files but does that include streaming video or it can it can absolutely include okay, streaming so you can video. actually stream things it's not just static content. Right. So, for example, uh, we do live video as well, oh, okay. which is not technically cacheable, but we can, um, essentially, you have a delay, mm-hmm. um, but we would we would push it down to our local uh, peer to you, and everyone that's in that sort of geo locale would get it off of that peer. Oh, reminds um, me, um, back in the day, and I'm talking way back in the day, um, they used to have the, we used to talk about a multimedia backbone mm-hmm. for the internet. That, this is back during the dial-up sure. days, you know, and it was, it was called the M-Bone. Yep. And it sounds like y'all have taken that idea and expanded it um, to greatly, but it was basically I'll send my content to the multimedia backbone and that will take care of distributing. Yeah, and that's essentially what it is, but obviously like we also do things like um, uh, transcoding on the fly for different devices, oh, okay. um, as well as things like ad insertion. So, you know, we can put oh. geo-based ads, for example, in 
video content on the fly at the edge. Okay. Uh, but we also do some really cool things with video, actually, that I've, I've been learning about the last few weeks. We had our own conference, and so I you know, got to peer into some other things. Um, things like peer-to-peer -peer distribution. So um, you can actually uh, have multiple people watching content that is pre-recorded, not live, of course. Right. Um, and they would then be sharing with other peers on their local network. That um, is cool. And save bandwidth, of course. Like that's well, yeah. the goal, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's really really cool technology. It's completely transparent as well, so it's super easy to implement. Wow. And it's it's very very cool. Boy, I can see how that would really come in handy in situations like conferences where yeah, like we're absolutely. at, where you know, um, Wi-Fi is at a premium some days. Yes, absolutely. Because, because <laughs> it, you know, the old rule is conference Wi-Fi always sucks. Yes. Get over it. You know. But that would make that would be very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could all be sitting in a room watching, say, Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, all on our own devices, and yet only one copy ever actually downloads. That is fascinating, and um, yeah, it, it, it's always interesting to find out the other things that are happening on the internet because mm -hmm. I get stuck in my own little bubble. This For is sure. what I deal with, yep. and there's a whole other world out there of stuff that's happening. And um, you're here, you're speaking. Uh, yeah, I spoke yesterday on uh, PHP seven one and two. Okay. Um, and today I'll be speaking about HTTP2 mm -hmm. uh, and asynchronous APIs is the, is the rest of the talk title. We'll talk about um, that in a second. Yep. But I do want to um, talk about the, the 7172 talk. Sure. Mainly because I want to steal some ideas because I've got a similar <laughs> talk. Yep. Uh, tell us, uh, what's your favorite thing that's come out of the 7172 cycle? So, I mean, I have to, 71 is release manager. That's, that's my baby. Mm -hmm. um, and quite frankly, I've been ignoring 72. Because um, <laughs> like 71, it just stops there. That's, we're done, peak. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I really, think Sarah would disagree with you, but more <laughs> more than likely, uh, vehemently, I'm sure. No, I think I think the big thing about seven one is it, it really just sort of shored up some of the missing pieces that were missing in seven. Yeah. Um, so nullable types, void types. Yeah. Um, those for me were probably the two uh, most critical things yeah. um, that I thought were missing in seven zero. So adding them in seven one, I think, was an absolute requirement. I heard a lot of people um, say that when seven one came out, that all of a sudden type hitting was useful yes. to them. They could, and I didn't understand it until I, I was working on one. Of my um, little side projects, and I decided to go ahead and put type hitting in, mm -hmm. and it, it, it didn't take five minutes before. Right. Oh, I get it now. Yep. You know, so yeah, you're right. Nullable um, types in and the void return yep. type really make the whole thing very usable. They do, and actually, with seven two, they're adding. Um, I can't remember exactly what they're calling it, but essentially, the ability to. Uh, omit type hints when you're extending a class oh. um, and overriding methods. And what that does actually, it's not its not to make the extending easier. It means that the parent class can actually go back and add types mm. and not break your code. Okay. Because previously it would omit a warning yeah. and that wasn't good. So I think library authors now, we're going to see a lot of them being able to be more flexible and add the type hinting that they want to add That's good. without being concerned that their consumers are going to break, which I think is really, really important. Yeah, it's very important. Hey, um, I want to talk about um, HTTP2 in just a second, but mm -hmm. first I need to um, pay the bills and talk about my friends over at SiteGround. See, every website needs hosting, but you know, we're developers. We know that not all hosts are the same. Now, if you're looking for a solid and secure host for your website, your web application, or your web store, check out SiteGround. They are rock solid technical people. They're easy people to work with when it comes to support, but, and this is the important thing for me, they're fun people to be around. Now, if you're ever at a PHP conference or at a WordCamp, stop by the booth, talk to them, you'll see what I mean. More importantly though, when you're ready to select the host for your next web app, check them out. You can find out more information at SiteGround.com, and of course, make sure you tell them that Cal sent you. Okay. 
HTTP2, which I still can't use because I use CentOS and Red Hat absolutely <laughs> refuses to patch Apache. Um, well, you can use it. You put it behind a CDN yeah, uh, that um, supports HTTP2. Yeah, I could do um, that. Uh, uh, you know, first get that of all, plug in. tell us why it's important. So HTTP2 is important for a lot of reasons. Um, probably the most important thing is the performance gains, um, but they're actually coupled with uh, much less resource usage. Hmm. So when you think sort of globally about how much power, and I'm literally talking like electricity, mm -hmm. that goes into serving the web, translating that to HTTP2 over H1 is a measurable uh, hmm. difference in the amount of power consumed. So like speaking like very sort of globally and like, you know, responsible human on the planet, um, you know, that that is a potential thing that you might want to look at. Yeah. More realistically, um, it gives you a lot more flexibility um, and a lot more power in um, determining how your site is delivered and the experience that your end users get. Um, there's some really interesting features in HTTP2, uh, three in particular. Um, my favorite, server push. Uh, mm -hmm. Then there is um, weighted and uh, dependent resources. And what that allows you to do is be very, very precise about exactly how your resources are delivered. So something that is absolutely critical must be there immediately. You would push alongside the requested resource. So an example of that might be um, the uh, CSS and JavaScript required to just render what's visible on screen when it first loads. Mm -hmm. um, and that's known as critical path right now. We would typically embed those in the page, um, but there's some overhead with that. H2 solves that with push. Um, but then you could say, for example, I want to send fonts, but until you've got the style sheet, there's absolutely no reason to know you even need the font. You don't know, you can't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So you would make the font a dependency of the style sheet. So it's not going to load until after yeah. the style sheet it, is loaded. Yeah, so essentially the browser and the server sort of negotiate and decide how much relative resources they're going to uh, d uh, assign to any given thing. So it may start downloading the font, but it's not going to give it priority over the style sheet. Um, so it's, it's all about just sort of relative priorities, um, but that allows you to be a lot more deliberate in how you deliver a page. Um, okay, you said something, and uh, I want to make sure I understand it, because um, I'm pretty sure I don't. Uh, server push. Yes. Um, I, I remember back in 96, 97, the early days of the web, and there were push technologies, and right. that was the future, push technologies. This is not that. but. How does this, I mean, is this WebSockets 2.0, or do you maintain a connection between server and browser, or is there some new magic that says the server can just tell the browser, hey, I got something for you? Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of all three. Okay. Um, WebSockets is definitely meant for that uh, long-term open connection that you're going to be yeah. communicating bi-directionally. You're building a um, chat system. Yeah, you exactly, something like that. Yeah. Um, and WebSockets sits sort of on top of HTTP 1. It actually doesn't change with HTTP 2. Those semantics are the same. Okay. Um, it's still like a side protocol. Um, having said that, the upgrade to HTTP 2 from 1, the, the technical upgrade, is very similar to how you would change a connection to WebSockets. Hmm. So there's some similarities taken from there. Um, the other part of that is... Um, Essentially, what we have now what's called multiplexing. So previously, every browser used to open up multiple connections from the client to the server mm -hmm. so it could uh, have downloads in parallel, right? And those have been limited to six in every browser except IE, which is eight. Yeah. Um, and as we get faster and faster internet, we're actually having trouble uh, saturating the pipe. Right, we've got more bandwidth actually than those six or eight requests can consume. Yeah. And so what we do is we do sharding. So we set up you know, s1.domain.com, s2.domain.com. If you've ever looked at the source of a very busy website, you'll see everything coming from many subdomains because each one gets six or eight connections. Yeah. And this is how we saturate the pipe. Um, with uh, 
HTTP2, we can now open a single TCP connection and we can actually multiplex uh, many requests simultaneously within that single TCP connection. Mm. Um, and what that allows us to do, I think the limit is 150 uh, typically, wow. um, which is obviously a lot more than six. Yeah. Um, one, it gives us one uh, TLS handshake. So every, typically every connection you open, you have a TLS handshake. So we completely get rid of that overhead, mm -hmm. which now makes TLS, like there's, the overhead is so minimal, you should just have it. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of the big sort of reasons people didn't migrate to TLS, was it's too slow. That goes away. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can essentially, within that multiplexed uh, stream, you can send requests that have not been, or responses, sorry, that haven't been requested. That's essentially what a push is. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you say, if you were to send me this request, this is what I would give you. And the browser takes that in the background and caches it. Mm -hmm. Just standard, regular browser cache, so that when it then does make the subsequent request, it just pulls it straight it's out of the cache. It's already got the information. Yeah, so that's, that's basically how it works. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it, it's used uh, both from the client side of I need these images and the CSS and everything, um, and it can be sent from the, the server side as well. And that's yeah. that's what pushes. A good chunk of that went right over my head, but the one <laughs> thing that I did get and I'm very excited about is that we're getting away from that six and eight yes. limit. Because that, yeah, you know, you're right, that's slowing us down. It is absolutely slowing us down, and it's, it's needlessly so. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. In, in the early days, there was no reason to have more than that, yes. you know, but it, the, my problem is, Technology advances much faster than these companies are Absolutely. willing to update things. Yeah. So I'm glad we're addressing this. The other side of push is that it's actually um, the client is in control over whether or not it accepts a resource. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think about, say, um, an app on your phone that understands that push is a thing, mm -hmm. um, it can actually be very deliberate about what it accepts for its user based on network conditions. Oh. So, for example, say you're loading um, a news story that has commentary on it, mm -hmm. and the comments are sent as a separate push. If they're on Wi-Fi, you would just accept it and show it. If they're not, say they're on you know, LTE, mm -hmm. which is potentially metered, to be nice to your, your consumer, you would just put a button instead and have them have an explicit, you would reject. So and then they get when to they click decide them. whether they're going to exactly. eat the bandwidth. Exactly that. Mm -hmm. So I think that like these are things we're not really doing yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as an industry, we're very, um, it's very neophyte in terms of like best practices and things around this. Yeah. Um, and so we're coming up with these use cases and deciding how we can build out these better experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and it's great because, you know, as a server, we could not care. Uh, but on the client side, you have all that control and all that power. Yeah. So. Very cool. Well, Debbie, I want to take the time. I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. Um, Always got, a pleasure. You've got other things that you could be doing here, and you took the time to um, to talk to us. And uh, like I said, you've been around the community longer than I have. Um, you're a core contributor, so barely. On, on the well, hey, hey, <laughs> you've still got more than I have, more code in the um, core than I have. Uh, but on on behalf of the community, thank you for everything that you've done over the years for PHP and for the PHP community? I, I can definitively say that it has been paid back threefold. Um, you know, my entire career and my family and everything is possible because of this community and the way that it has helped me uh, grow as, as a professional and as a human. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's definitely mutual. Very, very nice, thank you. Well, I wanna um, say thank you and thank you to um, the audience. Thank you for, for joining us here today on Voices of the Elephant. Hey, do us a favor, go out to iTunes and give us a rating and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. And of course, we'll see you on the next episode of Voices of the Elephant. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com.
Elephant is of course spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.